Mountainside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company inside Twin Peaks, as that voice told you so eloquently. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez here with you for today. Steve Cofield out much of the week, in fact, all of the week. Uh, so let the chaos ensue. That's what happens when Steve Cofield is gone. Uh, they let me and Willie down here to Twin Peaks. Could be dangerous, but you guys should be down here for Monday night football. Colts and Ravens coming up tonight. Your spot down on the south side. I guess it's south, south. Some people say southeast. I feel like I think this is straight south at this point in the development of our city. Actually, my hood, Willie. I grew up, I mean, all over the country. But my high school home? It's five minutes from here. Less. Less than. Uh, my high school My high school is like three minutes from here. My high school home is like two minutes from here. This yeah. is my hood. Although this was not here at the time. No, so that's even more. It makes it old school for you. Sure. It used to, this used to be like maybe the, you know, hey, we're going to meet over there in the desert lot. Or oh, this was vacant sh- lot straight or, desert. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and, you know, as I said, Silverado High School right around the corner from here, as we should tell you, southeastern. Take the 215 down to eastern. Just uh, head south, and you'll find Twin Peaks on the left. Now it's Silver Hood. Is that what it is? I don't know. I just know that Cimarron's uh, Simahood, so. I've never heard anybody say that, but I'll take your word. <laughs> I've never heard Silver Hood, but I've definitely heard Simahood. So all I know you is know? this is the third day together. I mean, we Saturday night. Dinner, Sunday, Allegiant. Now we're down here. It could get rambunctious, so you might want to get down here um, as the crowd starts filing in for Monday Night Football. Last week, great crowd last week down here. So uh, come on down, check out. It'll be game time, but we'll get you ready for it over the next three hours. Uh, As I said, Adam and Willie, uh, let's get to it. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Oh, it's Raiders time. Uh, the Raiders fall to the Chicago Bears 20-9 on Sunday. Not really the biggest story of the weekend involving the Raiders. We will get into many, many angles of the John Gruden story as the show progresses, mostly in how it could impact the team and how it's uh, been received around the league. Uh, but just from a game perspective, not the performance the Raiders were hoping for. I'm not sure how related it is to what, what is going on around the team, but, uh, Willie, that is not what the Raiders wanted to do yesterday, fall at home to the Bears. I um, well, Here's the thing. The performance we saw yesterday is it's worse, but it's it was bad last Monday, and then it just continued to decline. It was almost like it was a carryover from getting dominated by the Chargers, and it was as if there were, you know, they knew what they needed to do to improve. They've known, even through three wins, what they've needed to do to make corrections. And, yes, teams go through injuries, and they've been battling problems on the offensive line, and you knew what was coming. But here's the thing. You're pulling it off against teams like the Ravens and the Steelers and, all due respect, the Dolphins, who maybe not at certain caliber it's, to, to what some expect, but the fact of the matter is, Dolphins don't have they have a decent defense. You have been getting it done, and then all of a sudden, you're not. You collapsed last Monday, and yesterday was atrocious. It was beyond um, it just it's no wonder that the, um, the Matt Nagy at, in his press conference said that 
it was weird. To, he's been to opposing stadiums. He had never really felt it. They say, they he, he says, you know, you hear him, other coaches or players say to feel the home crowd to, or to feel the 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 um, the the crowd, the fans up there, even as a visitor, but never felt like they were the home team. He said it was the first time he felt that. Yeah, and I, I guess that I know there's, there's some people not happy that this is a topic of conversation, but I guess we could start right there. Like this is what was kind of envisioned for the NFL in Las Vegas, right? And and I know that the Raiders don't want to hear that. They don't want that to be the case. Um, but, yeah, it was very noticeable yesterday. It was – it's like when Canadian teams are at T-Mobile for Golden Knights games. We love that, by the way. It's fantastic because you get to hear the Canadian anthem, the superior of the music, – musically superior of the anthems. 100%. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's when the Canadian teams are here, for the most part – the crowd gets to be like 50-50 of Golden Knights fans and Canadian fans because they love making the trip. They come down. Now, the pandemic has changed a lot of the travel yeah. stuff. But before that, you'd, you'd, you'd really experience like 50-50. It was almost like a, a neutral site type game. And now we see it with the – you know, we didn't see it in the first two games. No. We saw a smattering of fans for sure from the other team. But this is what people said about Vegas. Hey, Vegas as an NFL market is going to be 50-50 crowds. That was the case yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was weird for the Miami game, and I just think it was it's because of that striking teal. It felt like there were a lot of Miami fans, but they weren't really loud. Well, the thing is, is here's the, here's the difference. If in that when they went up fourteen nothing, they were loud, and it 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 out drain, it sort of drowned out the the Raiders fans. The Raiders didn't give the home crowd anything to cheer about. They gave them stuff to boo about. Yeah, you know, so that just intensifies things. But you're right, and if you think back to the first. Two and a half years prior pandemic um, with the Golden Knights, Chicago was always oh, yeah. a superior fan base. I always remember Chicago and Edmonton was very well represented in that building. For sure. And, you know, we see uh, Chicago fans. And, and I, that's the other part of this is that people say, wow, they really traveled. They don't all travel. Like, a lot of them do. Sure, a lot of them come into town. I know a lot of people actually that came to town and didn't go to the game. They just came in because the Chicago Bears were here. Yeah. They're, they're from Chicago. They wanted to be here. They didn't even go to the game. Um, but you can't just say everybody traveled. I know at least four different people that I know very well that are Bears fans that live in Vegas that were like, oh, they're here. We're going to go watch them. And, and so Easily. it's not people traveling necessarily. No. It's it's definitely people that are just – there's fans of every team here. We know there's NFL bars everywhere with every team. And it was, a, it was a thing yesterday. There's no question. It doesn't mean, you know, it, we've gone through this with the Golden Knights fans, too, when you say, wow, the opposing fans took over the building. Yeah. Golden Knights fans are like, no, they didn't. We're the Golden Knights. Like, okay, you can you can say you're great fans. It doesn't mean you're not good fans. Right. Those fans wanted to go see one game, and it was the Bears, and they wanted to go see it, and they kind of took over the stadium. That That's what happened. Everybody that I know that went to the game yesterday that posted on their Instagram story, Facebook, they were Bears fans. There was one person who we both know in the media, John Castanino, and it was him and his wife, and one had a Raider jersey, one had a Bears jersey. He's from Chicago, though. Everybody that I know have Chicago ties. One, one, or two of them, two of them, two families, separate families, have Golden Knights season tickets. They're diehard Golden Knights fans, but they went, they bought tickets in the summer specifically to go see the Bears. Yeah, it's a thing. And, and by the way, 
It's so funny because, like I said, I've, I've gotten some feedback from some Raider fans that are mad that we talked about this and that we pointed out yesterday on Twitter. Like, everybody was so happy last week how much we talked about the Raiders fans taking over SoFi and taking over the Chargers game and dominating that arena. And everybody's so thrilled with that. But yeah. now we're not supposed to mention it when the other team takes over the Legion? What, what are you talking about? Oh, and by the way, how many of the fans that are – disgruntled that this is the talk today that the Bears fans were great. It's a great turnout. How many of you fans were anti-stadium and money? This is what it's all about, is getting that money driven into Las Vegas and dry, driving the economy and through a pandemic that we're still in, by the way. Yeah. Tourism. And if it's and if it's not, as Adam said, the, the locals that are Bears fans, they're going to Allegiant to spend money that's going to pay that bill. The concession stand. It was fifty nine thousand one hundred, I believe. It was the third lowest. It was the lowest of the season. But I mean, still, you know, I mean, the opening night was plus sixty. The uh, the Dolphins, I think they had like two hundred more, two thousand more. I can't remember. I looked it up. Anyway, this is what it's all about. That's why it's there. And let's not talk. Let's also talk about the entire sports weekend that this, that this town PGA. The, uh, d- you know what's funny? Hold on. WNBA I, finals. I, I completely forgot the PGA tournament was here. <laughs> the, I, and I love that event. Yeah. I good. love it every year. And that is how crazy we are now that we have a PGA Tour event in town. We just had NASCAR a couple weeks ago, and that was completely completely forgot about that. Uh, we have a PGA Tour event, which is a major event. And like I said, I love this. is the first year I didn't get to go. I love that event. Yeah. Didn't get to go out there. Like, that is how crazy sports have gotten. And as you mentioned, we're about to get into Wilder Fury on Saturday night. A massive heavyweight fight in town. The same weekend all these other sports are going on was a night after Las Vegas Aces played a you know semifinal deciding game at home, which was crazy. So, man, there it, it was with a the biggest crazy, crowd ever. Yeah, crazy, crazy sports weekend, culminating with the Bears Raiders. Yeah, I mean, come on, people. You you know it's it's uh, don't be sour. Don't be sour, don't be sore losers. Don't be sour grapes. This is what being a pro sports town is all about, and you know, two of those events, two of those events, Vegas has had or been the capital of for quite some time. That being the golf, this golf tournament is way back when it was Panasonic. When it was, you know, this is this is this is the, that's the same tournament, just different sponsor. Different. That's the same tournament that Tiger Woods won his very first pro event. Boxing? How long is boxing? My first boxing event was Holmes Ali. So heavyweight boxing here. WNBA, relatively new, right? Last several years, and now the Raiders. This is what being a pro sports town is all about. A couple of heartbreakers, aces, Raiders. But overall, Vegas gets an A-plus on another huge sports weekend. It was awesome. Uh, let's... We got we got plenty of Raiders to talk about from breaking down the game to the whole weekend and everything going on around the Raiders as well. Uh, but you did mention the Aces there, so uh, let's touch on that game uh, before we move on to other things. The end of a a great season, but a very disappointing season. I think it, I think that's fair to say that this team had higher expectations than a semifinal. Which hey, great to reach the semifinals. You're one of the four best teams in the entire league, but this team expected more. And they fall short, you know. Again, good good accomplishment to finish in the top four, but there's more expectations there. So a disappointing end to the season for sure for the Aces. Yeah, and, and it's it's 
Many are saying this was the best team that they had because of what they brought in. You <laughs> don't, know. Say, don't say many are saying. Who say? That's well. I mean, people are saying I mean, that's what you hear on the on the I know. experts because experts yeah, are weighing in. Chelsea, Chelsea with Chelsea Gray coming in. You know, and I mean, the, you got you got another experience. Liz being back. You know, um, it's it's hard to say. Like, well, if they had, if they still had uh, Kayla McBride on the team, would they have? You know, that's. That's irrelevant. It's it. There were high expectations because this was a team that was arguably the best collective talent in the WNBA. Um, they were. They may have been the number two seed, but they still were. You know, there there were a lot of expectations, like you said. And and once Connecticut got knocked out, a lot of people were had the aces penciled in, but. You know, uh, there are a lot of things, a lot of little moments, a lot of little intangibles that you can point to from Game 5 that, you know, could have very easily triggered the Phoenix Mercury. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, it, it, you have to, it has to start at the top, you know. You can, you can blame, or I won't, you won't, uh, Bill Lambeer might blame the ladies for missing shots or whatever it may be, but play calling and, and, and schemes and designs, he's not the one out there playing, no, but same token, he is the coach. Um, the one thing that I will put on one player, and she's young and she just wants to stand up to the bully, is Jackie Young probably shouldn't have pissed off Diana uh, Tarasi. You just don't get in the goat's face. <laughs> Uh, you know, going into the final quarter, and that that proved to be a big mistake because because she, she came out firing, and and at that point it was and and it, and the thing is is I'm not saying I was the only one, but I immediately tweeted, and then so many other like you know WNBA and announcers and even um, pro players that are not in the playoffs, different people were just tweeting, oh man, you don't do that to you know it, here it comes, and sure enough, Tarasi came out and. You know, and then Brittany Griner with the big block on Asia Wilson. And here's the thing. The Aces will be back. You know what I mean? This is this is a young team with a lot of talent. Um, but this was a, this is going to be a tough one to swallow, as, as you saw at the press conference, if you saw the video. Uh, I know you were covering lots of stuff, but Asia just – she took this one hard. Yeah, and, and she probably should. Again, they, they fell short of expectation, and I think it's fair – to point that out and to say this is a team that expects more and should be better. They've invested a lot in trying to make the team better, and they go into a season this year with the best roster in the league, the most talented roster, the deepest roster, uh, the most versatile roster, everything. They had the best roster, and they don't get it done. And I, I think part of what Bill Lambeer was saying after the game in kind of putting it on his players and saying, hey, we played against a team that had two killers. And we have a great roster, but they had two killers on their roster. Well, exactly what he said was he said uh, Tarasi and, and um, Brittany Griner have mental toughness. That that was the di- that was the difference. They have the mental toughness, and we need to have a player that, and we don't have that player. I had a problem with that just in general. First of all, when you throw that word "mental" in there, I mean we're not talking about mental health, so I'm not going to try to jump on that soapbox. But realistically. You've got a champion in Chelsea Gray. You've got an MVP. You've got you've got Olympians, gold medalists. You've got someone who came back from an Achilles rupture, who sat an entire year and watched 
and won the sixth player of the year and the um, comeback player of the year. You've got a lot of mental toughness on that team. Let's not – I mean, they were trailing at halftime. Phoenix clearly had the momentum. They went out on a 14-0 run and took that game over. They just – they went up against a champion, and the and the one person who's considered basically the Michael Jordan, if you're, if you're a Jordan person or a LeBron or whoever, she's considered the GOAT of the WNBA. And like I said, you poke the bear, and you got Brittany Grant. I mean, there's a lot of experience on that team. So – it's, it's just hard because you even saw it on their faces. One of the reporters, once they did the live, they went from the live to the Zoom, and one, the first question from the Zoom, they repeated what Lane Beer said, and the looks on their faces, like it took a second for them to get an answer. And Chelsea Gray ended up answering, but it took a second for the – and the look on Asia's face, she, I think she was astonished. And I'm not sure how, how well that sat with them. Yeah, I, I'm sure it didn't, and I'm sure that it was part of what Bill Lane Beer wanted to do. I think he wanted to say, hey, this shouldn't sit well with you. This this is not okay. Um, and, and we'll see how they respond in the offseason and, and what they do. But I think to his point, mental toughness is probably the wrong phrase. Yeah. Um, but I, I like like the way I said, the killer, like Diana Taurasi, even if, even if she doesn't have the same roster that the Aces do, she said, all right, it's time. Your phrase, it's time. Your phrase is, you know what, though? Your phrase is is 100% better. Your phrase in saying have that killer instinct, that killer that that's a much better phrase I think than mental toughness because those ladies showed mental toughness that throughout that game. Every time I mean it was a that was a heavyweight fight. Before the heavyweight fight. So yeah. Um so we'll see the Aces as you said should have maybe the best if not you know maybe one of the best if not the best rosters in the league again next year, and we'll see if that is the year. If Cam Beige comes back, I'm not sure. I don't know sure. if she's coming back. I think that's a fair question to ask as well. <laughs> uh, we'll see how uh, this plays out over uh, the next few months uh, as they get ready for another season next year and see if they can finally live up to the expectations that everyone else has set for that team. Uh, that was a lot of one on this weekend. Didn't get into the fight yet. We'll do that with uh, Fury and Wilder and the wildness uh, that went on over at T-Mobile. And uh, the Raiders are a topic around the league uh, as we look around here at Twin Peaks, as we should be for Monday Night Football Twin Peaks on Eastern. Just take 215 to Southeastern. Go south on Eastern, and you will find it on the left-hand side. Uh, this is where you should be for Monday Night Football, but right now you got all the uh, all the TVs on you know, ESPN and, and Fox and all these other channels, and everywhere I look, John Gruden is the topic of conversation, so uh, we will get into that a little bit more as well as what went wrong in the game yesterday as the Raiders fell to 3-2. and two. Twin Peaks in Henderson, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, ESPN Las Vegas. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 2. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans with interest rates at all-time lows. Now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer, 877-700-NOVA. Ruggs comes in motion. Carr takes the snap. Looks down the middle of the field. In trouble. Sprints out to the left. He can run for it, but he throws. Got a man wide open, and it's dropped. It's dropped by Edwards. Edwards was wide open at the 25-yard line, and he drops the ball, resulting in another three and out. 
hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Back here, Cofield and Company on this Monday. Each and every Monday at Twin Peaks in Henderson, Southeastern is your spot. Great food, great spot to hang. I will tell people, this is probably... It's in, it's in my top three spots to hang out even when we're not doing shows here. I'm here a lot. We've uh, I think we've discussed uh, one of my very good friends uh, that's in the media has a child. He lives blocks from here, uh, and him and his wife uh, are you know they love it. They love to come down here and hang out. And uh, every time they're on their way down, they text me. I try to get over here because I'm obsessed with the child he's amazing and uh, very funny we like to come here and he loves it more than anyone he's, this, like, he's like one one year and one month this is our boy yeah was that 13 months old yeah one year one month i okay. believe so yeah. that's about right something like that it's probably actually more than it's probably like 15 months at this point i was at his birthday party it seemed like yesterday probably like three months ago i think that sounds right but yeah i yeah, love i, I love I it here I didn't get the invite, and yet I, I sent a I sent a nice care package over when he had that kid. Well, it was a very uh, COVID restricted uh, birthday party. Speaking of COVID, I have some. <laughs> what, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know if it's breaking news. I'm not even sure. I just got an email from uh, an AP colleague because um, we're going to be getting into some Golden Knights talk, right? Sure. No, we'll, we'll save it. What are, what are you doing? Is it? It's breaking news. A little teaser. He's bored. What just happened? It's ready. I'm I'm confused at this point uh, from what just happened. That's fine. <laughs> um, we are about five minutes away uh, from getting into some sound from today. Um, we'll mix it up a little bit. Play some now. Some a little bit later on uh, in the program. But um, a lot of reactions pouring in from around the NFL world about the John Gruden situation. But before we get into that, uh, we did have one last thing to clean up from the weekend, the fight. And I know you didn't watch it live. Uh, I didn't watch it live. We were actually out on Saturday night. Um, But because it was so good, I went back and found the replay, watched it back. I mean, that's what you want a heavyweight fight to be. Uh, Highlights all over the place, big punches, drama, uh, you know, guys being close to finished and rallying and coming back and knocking out the other guy and uh, it was great but Wilder and Fury was a showcase of the heavyweight division uh, I thought it was a fantastic fight uh, but in the end it's exactly what we thought like Tyson Fury was going to hit him a lot he was going to wear him down and potentially finish him late in the fight and Deontay Wilder's chance was to throw massive punches and just stop Tyson Fury and end his night and we saw both things happen that was great Fury outlanded Wilder by a margin of 150 to 72, according to CompuBox. He held a 36 to 9 edge in jabs. So, I mean, and they they dropped each other, you know, a couple times. So, I mean, it was, and it was, you know, it was great. (laughs) Our boy Sam Gordon, you know, who does a fantastic job covering a number of things. Um, I looked at him yesterday in the press box at Allegiant, and I said, did you have fun last night? He goes, dude, best ever. That's all. He just had this yeah. look on his face. It was like, like you know, it was like, I can imagine, like, it, it's got to rank up there for him. And I know it was, he said it was his best boxing match, but it's got to rank in his young career um, 
up there with covering the Super Bowl when he paid his own way to go back to uh, Minneapolis and sat with Ed Graney in the in the in the press box a, a few years ago and 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 got and it, you know got up there to help the help and got paid obviously but he paid his way and then stayed with his parents because he's from there but uh, anyway I know that the the fight it was that great and everybody we've spoken to or I've spoken to um, yesterday they said the same thing and you know what it's something that boxing needed something that this town needed within the boxing confines as you know obviously being the foremost. MMA uh, reporter that boxing, you know, has sort of just fallen by the wayside. And this is exactly what that sport needed in this town of all places. Just an infusion of a fantastic match. Yeah, and uh, we should have had Sam on today maybe to talk about it, but he's he's too enthusiastic. We can't have that. We can't have the energy and enthusiasm and excitement uh, of a young Sam Gordon, uh, who, by the way, sh- you should follow him and check his work. He's incredibly talented. Uh, but, yeah, very... Uh, very, very into being happy. I don't know if I don't know if we're all comfortable with that here uh, on this program. And uh, Sam, you know, talked about how great it was, and I think everybody there talked about how great it was. But yeah, you're right. I think the the over the overarching storyline, even if you don't care about boxing, is awesome event for Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is better when there's big title fights in boxing here, and people are enjoying it. I uh, I found Bob Arum's comment to be a little a little funny where you'd said something along the lines and I, I don't have it in front of me if you want to if you can google or look it up but or I'll do it he said something to the effect where it was the greatest heavyweight match or, or something something to something along the lines of being one of the best heavyweight matches he had seen or he's ever seen uh, and it just struck me because I'm thinking dude weren't you at the thriller in Manila Weren't you a part of many Ali fights? I mean, I get it. It was a great match. But it just kind of tells you, you know, where his head was at with all the great fights. I don't necessarily think it was probably the greatest considering the matches that that promoter has been involved with and and everything that he's been a part of. But, again, that just goes to show how long it's been since we've had a match like that, a heavyweight boxing match. We've had some... Some obviously some some middleweights, some lightweights, some welterweights, some junior middleweights, whatever it may be, the De La Hoya area, the Mayweather era, we've had some of that. But for the heavyweights, you know, in Las Vegas, which was which was an event, it was a it was a it was an entire weekend back in the day. Um, for Bob Arum to make a comment like that is is a little telling. He said, This is the best heavyweight fight I've ever seen. Fury knocked him down the round before. That was round three. Uh, and he said, hey, we got the fight won. Then Fury gets knocked down twice. Yes, I thought the fight was over and he was going to continue on. A carbon copy of the last fight. I thought the fight was over after the first knockdown. Uh, then the guy knocks him down twice. Not once, twice. Then I'm really concerned. Uh, I saw how Tyson got back to his corner. He wasn't wobbling or anything, so I was less concerned. Uh, then he put a beating on this guy and he was still dangerous. One thing you've got to say, he's got a big, big heart. I never thought he had a heart like this. Um, he did go on to say, you know, Tyson Fury started finally listening to his corner and throwing the jab and controlling the fight that way. But, uh, yeah, best heavyweight fight he's ever seen. But uh, another place he said, well, it's the best since the thrill in Manila. There you go. Which would be, uh, okay. you know, the Ali Frazier uh, war in the 70s. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Bob Arum, high praise. Of course, he's a promoter, so maybe he's thinking of the fourth fight in his mind. <laughs> he's and selling. Already trying to set that one up. Sure. But, uh 
sure. Yeah, a, uh, a big fight weekend. I think even if you don't care about boxing, it's it's about events in Vegas, and that was a very, very good one. And maybe we set up a fourth. I, I don't know that anybody needs to see it a fourth time. We know how it's going to go. But it was good enough that I think it's warranted that people would probably buy it. And uh, we'll monitor how that plays out in terms of what those guys do next with their careers. But Deontay Wilder certainly, uh, I think, changed a lot of people's perceptions of him, even in a loss. That was a great performance by him, but an even better one uh, by Tyson Fury, who continues to uh, defy, I guess, uh, the expectation of appearance. People look at him and say, that guy's not... That guy can't possibly be the greatest heavyweight fighter in the world right now, but he just is. So impressive, impressive work uh, by Tyson Fury. Uh, a lot of opinions on that fight. A lot of opinions on John Gruden. We'll start to get into some of those. Uh, we have some very interesting sound on the other side and uh, people on both sides lining up to talk about this issue. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Uncharacteristic for sure. It's football, man. It's professional football against a really good team. That stuff happens. You don't want it to happen. You don't plan on it to happen. You set your mind and you go out there and prepare. Uh, but it did. And uh, it hurts. It's tough. And we left a lot of big plays out there. Big plays that could have changed the outcome of the game. And that that, that hurts. But we got to keep going. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Back here, Cofield and Company on this Monday. Twin Peaks is your spot for Monday Night Football. Get on down here. The happy hour is fantastic. Great food, great drinks, cool patio outside as well uh, with TVs everywhere to check out the Monday Night Football game down here at Twin Peaks. Well, uh, as we look around again, as I mentioned earlier, as you when you look around at all these screens here, no matter where you look, you see people discussing the John Gruden situation. Yep. Um, again, we'll get into more of the actual football, but I think they're related. Uh, you hear Derek Carr there talking about uncharacteristically uh, bad errors that were made on both offense and defense, and the penalties and the miscommunications. Um, a lot of what was going on yesterday, it's it's very difficult to say that this situation wasn't a distraction. It almost has to be, even if you even if there's not, you know, we heard some reports there's you know players angry and you know other players maybe didn't even want to play. Like there's there's weird things going around that you don't you can't get confirmation of necessarily, but even if those things aren't true, even if even if everybody's ready to go forward, all the talk has to be a distraction. You you know guys are getting texts, they're, they're turning on their TV, they're seeing the story. It's everywhere. It's hard not to be a distraction. It's um, it's concerning because of the fact that when that hits, something like that hits and is emotional and. Um, stressful as it can be especially for the black players in that locker room um when you go through mental i don't want to use the word trauma but when you go through some mental stress and stress in any form or fashion affects your body and it affects your energy level and it can be very draining it you know it it doesn't matter what the stress your body is going through whether you're in mourning whether you're going in anger whether you're sad whether you're whatever it is and in this situation this is very this is a very alarming thing to hear and knowing that you're taking the field to represent this man and the leader of this this historic franchise when that takes place and and, and within 48 hours you have to react and perform 
the stress that you go through, it can affect your body. It can affect, you know, your timing. It can affect your thoughts, your mental game. It can affect a lot. Um, and, 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 you know, my angle for my story that I wrote yesterday for the Associated Press was that the problems and the distractions that this team, you know, that caused this team to lose wasn't didn't fall on 10-year-old e- emails because the problems and the mistakes, you know, on the offensive line, we've been talking about that for, for five weeks now. But as far as their focus is concerned, you absolutely have to look toward how th- there's no way that this wasn't somewhat of a distraction and, and, and what they're thinking. And, you know, if if uh, if you got 53 guys sitting there and, and, and 21 of them, for whatever reason, don't agree with a play call yesterday – and they keep their mouth shut the first four weeks, but they're just they're going. I'm cool with it. Let's go. You're you're the coach. Okay. Guess what? This is might be one of those weeks where you don't agree with the play call, but now you're mfing and behind his back. You're thinking yeah. to yourself, you know, this guy. Blah 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 blah. blah. Or even, even even if ignore all that, like if everybody questions decisions that their leaders make, right? Yep. That their bosses make in, in the workplace everywhere. You always question that. That's just a fact. Even if somebody, even like Bill Belichick, who's you know considered like the greatest coach, I'm sure there's players at times that are like, "What is this guy talking about?" And and those are natural things. But all of a sudden, it's magnified if all of a sudden you're you know there's a play call and you're not thinking like, "Oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this again." You're thinking, "Oh, is this guy distracted? Is that why he's messing up?" Or what's this guy really thinking about? Like th- there is, it adds to your you know, skepticism in those kind of situations. Yep. But um, they insist that it's not the case, so you kind of have to take it at face value, but then you watch the game and you say something is going on there. Uh, but we don't hear much from the players, and I don't expect to. I don't expect – what good does it do the players to to come out and say, you know, screw that guy, I'm mad at – it doesn't do you any good. Like, yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're creating more, you're putting yourself in a bad situation with the team and everything else. So I don't expect that to happen. And and here's the thing: we're about to hear some sound in a minute here, and 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 I'll and I'll wait because I heard this first at three forty this morning on my way to the gym. And so and I'll go into if if I'm not sure what, what we have here. I, I know what we have, but I'm not sure how I can't remember. But there's a part where I want to come back and talk about what you just said as far as we're not going to hear from you know the the players and so on and so forth, and because it all ties in, but. Anyway. All right, so let's hear Keyshawn Johnson from this morning uh, discussing the situation, and, and he starts off talking about kind of his thoughts on Gruden in general. He's a bad guy. He's a bad person. I can't call him a racist. I can't call him that, but I know what you used. I know what you said. That's what I do know. You know, I, I, we, we, how many people you hear say things and then say, well, that ain't me. That That's not. Wait a minute, though, homie. You just said that that came out your email, not my email. Yeah, I mean, a fair point um, that, you know, that he makes. And it, and I've, I've heard other people make the same case. I know uh, you might hear from, from Randy Moss in a little bit uh, later on in the program. I know uh, Rex Ryan, uh, who, you know, former coach in the league, who has had his own you know, kind of things come out, but um, he said, you know, I don't know if John Gruden's a racist. I don't know. That email damn sure was. Well, and, and this is this 
is very Keyshawn was very very upset because they have history and they buried that history. They won a Super Bowl together, um, and he buried. But but something like this comes up, and maybe he, as he stated, it has nothing to do with racism. Be uh, you know back then, but when Keyshawn was trying to get a point across of how he treats certain areas of the locker room, certain players, favorites, and whatever. When Keyshawn alluded to that a long time ago, it was Keyshawn was the problem. He's a disgruntled player. Let's get rid of him. We're going to give the coach the benefit of the doubt. And now he's coming back, and he's not saying, see, I told you I called him a racist a long time ago. No, that's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, I told you about this dude, that he's a bad dude, basically that he's two-faced is what he was alluding to this morning when he was talking, in that, you know, he, he, he puts on a good front, but at the same token, uh, it's, you know, the other thing that he really wanted to talk about, um, and, I, and I'm not sure if we have the sound on this, but he, they played sound bites from both Gruden and Carr, and then they threw Josh Jacobs in, and, and Keyshawn was, and he said, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear that. That's a third-year player trying to get an extension, trying to get his contract, da-da-da-da. And he was like, I don't want to hear. I want to hear from the leaders. I want to. So going back to what you said about wanting to hear, you know, that, that we're not going to hear from them, here's the thing. The one thing I disagree with Keyshawn is you want to hear from the leaders. They're not going to speak up because they're now the ones that have to keep the locker room. You heard me ask Josh Jacobs yesterday in the, in the press conference, is this something where the locker room couldn't be lost? Did it ever affect you know, how did you, what are you guys doing to, to keep that locker room? And we don't know what's taking place when Gruden's not in the locker room. We don't know what it's taking place with a specific population of that locker room in, in their conversation. Hey, we need to keep it together for us, for this season. We can't let this spiral. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I'll just, I'll do this on the air with Ari. Uh, if we have Denzel Perriman from yesterday, we'll find that for later because I thought that was the most interesting interesting quote to me uh, to go along with uh, what you're saying there like he kind of indicated hey listen he said what he said and he told us it was coming out and we moved on and we said we have to play and that's kind of that whatever he, whatever he did he did and I don't have to love him I don't I don't have to like him oh, yeah and he didn't I mean, he, I'm putting I'm paraphrasing this and I'm putting words that sure. I kind of felt that he was really saying of like whatever he is outside he is outside and here he's our coach and we're trying to win games and that's what matters to us in here, which which is true. Hey, the other thing that Keyshawn, I don't know, Ari, if you have this, but he, he was asked today if if he's had a chance through conversations and if he's learned an impact. And Gruden's quote today was, I've learned a lot, and again, I'm not going to rehash the event again. I think I feel very good about the things I have learned. I also feel really good about what I stand for. As I said yesterday, I'll be happy to talk about football, but I'll just leave it at that. And Keyshawn told him, he said, no, you, you've lost that right. Or he say, he didn't tell him. He said that on the air. He said, you've lost that right. We'll tell you when you're done talking about it. You don't get to tell us that you're done talking about it and we don't, and, and that's it. What do you mean? We know where it went to. And if you know anything at all, you know that that came from you. So trying to backpedal, clean it up, be dismissive, and tell people you're tired of talking about it, you ain't going to talk about it no more. No, you're going to talk about it. You just started talking about it. Until we're tired of talking about it. You're not just going to brush over it. I don't give a damn what nobody say. All right, we have a little bit more from Keyshawn. We'll hear in just a second. Um, 
we've now mentioned like 18 sound bites. We'll see, we'll see if we have any of those. We play later on in the show as well. Uh, and some breaking news on the Golden Knights game tomorrow. Home opener, season opener tomorrow, the start of a new TV deal and everything. What a time in the NHL. We'll get into that and so much more as we bounce her out here on a Monday. Cofield and Company from Twin Peaks. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Buck from the right point towards the net, deflected in front, and by Robin Leonard, Brent Burns has put home the fourth goal for San Jose. 4-0 Sharks with 10.24 to go, third period. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Back here, Cofield and Company, closing out the first hour. Getting you ready for Monday Night Football, Colts and Ravens down here at Twin Peaks, your spot on Southeastern to check out all of the action. Uh, got a couple of uh, good friends of the show here at Twin Peaks hanging out, so maybe uh, grab one of them later on uh, to talk some Raiders. Uh, but we were discussing some of the national reaction uh, to the John Gruden situation. We'll have uh, Randy Moss in a little bit. Uh, he actually broke into tears on uh, ESPN NFL Countdown yesterday, as did Sam Ponder uh, talking about this subject. Rex Ryan uh, essentially demanding Gruden be fired uh, for this job, for this uh, for this incident. So uh, we'll get into a little bit of that later on. But we were listening to Keyshawn Johnson and what he had to say this morning. Willie got to hear it while he was on his way to do cardio at 3 in the morning, like most of us do. <laughs> Impressive. Well, yeah, you're usually running home. Well, yeah, walking. Cardio. No, no running. Uh, yeah, so we will uh, continue to hear the rest here of what uh, Keyshawn Johnson said this morning about John Gruden. Bob Glauber and myself talked about this in our book, about race in the NFL and how far it's gotten to this point and where everything in between from the 1930s to the reintegration of four black individuals and all the things that they had to go through to lay the foundation for us to be able to play in the league and then all of a sudden – here we are with this. And, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, oh, it was 11 years ago. You know, he, he's a change guy now. No, 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 no. Hold on. We're not getting ready to throw cover for nobody in this situation. There you go. So uh, there, there's a lot to this. First of all, um, I, I think it is fair to ask, why that particular email did come out on Friday and whether it had to do with the Demora Smith situation of, of having, um, you know, kind of being up for vote uh, for his job. That's fair. But if your take is it was 10 years ago, forget about it. You're, you're, you're complete. It's completely off base. You're missing the point. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not recycling old news. It is news. It's new, new to us. And, the 10 years ago thing doesn't fly because he was 48 years old. It's not like he was a child still learning. He was 48 years old and he made this comment. And I, in these situations, I am always, always consistent that context is all that matters. Context matters. And if it was a joke, it's not great. But I'm actually not, I'm not that upset about people that make jokes jokes are supposed to be funny and oftentimes hurtful and like that's what jokes are and i'm usually fine with it we've talked a lot about you know if you're 
if you're outraged because you see a kid rapping along with lyrics and he says a word, that doesn't that doesn't fly with me. There, there's intent to everything, and that's what matters to everything. This, to me, was intentionally Harmful. racist. Yeah. It just was. And that doesn't mean he needs to be fired or anything like that, but it, it, you don't get a pass when you are intentionally racist about something like that. There's only one thing that the 10 years ago whatever flies, and that is that the, this is out of the NFL's hands, in my opinion, because 10 years ago he, didn't, he wasn't employed. You are, in a sense, the face of the Las Vegas Raiders. You're making $100 million on a 10-year contract. This is something that Mark Davis has to address First and foremost, now the NFL, obviously you're, everybody is under the NFL umbrella and if they want to step in, but first and foremost, this falls on Mark Davis because he's your coach and this was your father's franchise and with everything that your father stood for and everything that this franchise stood for in so many different ways, this is something that you have to address. Um. And you're right. There, This was not a joke. I do not necessarily believe that it tied into some phrase that he used for someone who lies or whatever, has a big mouth. Because then, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I have a problem with. I, I haven't heard anybody actually say this, but I'm sure somebody has. I'm sure you may have heard. I just haven't heard anybody actually say these things. He said that he has that he's always used a certain phrase to describe somebody that lied, right? Rubber, rubber lips. Okay. Then why didn't he use it? Right, that's what I, that's, uh, listen, I've been saying that for two, two, days. Day, two days now. <laughs> then why wasn't that um, in the email? Stop, stop using this, hey, he said rubber lips before. First of all, rubber lips does, it is an expression. It is used. Yeah. It's not for people that lie. It's actually people that stumble over their words. But even if you want to use it in that way, Fine. I'll grant you that you've said it before. I've never heard it, but I'll grant you that you've said it before. That's fine. Has nothing to do with what the email said. The email, yeah. the email is not. And I'm, now I'm seeing people put rubber lips in quotations. He said rubber lips. No, he, no, he didn't. Right. That's not what he's being accused of. Not accused. We've seen that. We've seen it. He said it, but that's not what he said. He, well, there's so much more to get into on this. Uh, we'll we'll talk to Andrew Brandt, uh, NFL columnist. Uh, get his take on what's going on with this and, and everything else going on around the league. It was a crazy day in the NFL yesterday. We'll get into some of the details of just how crazy it was. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.